0: It's the finisher supreme,
1: Lauren Shankland.
0: Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. No league defeats, no league goals conceded. But no real spark either at the weekend anyway. We'll talk about exactly what transpired at the weekend in this podcast and a whole lot more with me, Laurie Dunsire, joined
1: again by Mark Donaldson. Laurie, hello and happy birthday to Ryan McGowan. We have excused him this Hmm. week because you can't ask someone on their 34th birthday to join the podcast. So happy birthday to Ryan. Hopefully, I mean, I did say. No, I know you did. <laughs> and you knew what was going to be said. But um, happy birthday to him. And it's you and I to, to dissect um, what was a, a disappointing 90 minutes. Indeed.
0: Yes. Happy birthday to Ryan McGuire. A big week for him. You know, he turns 34 and he can relax knowing that there's no way St. Johnson will lose this weekend. So, um, yeah. Many happy returns. Uh, Yes, we'll we'll, we'll get into the, um, I guess the game against Kamarnik is the big talking point for this episode. But we'll look ahead to the Rosenborg game, which comes in just a few nights as well. A massive game for Hearts. Second leg of that Europa Mm. Conference League. Third qualifying round match against the Norwegian side. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about uh, one of the big rumours as well doing the rounds and Mark has certainly had um, his ear to the ground on this one even before it broke uh, which is Lawrence Shankland and if there's some interest in him um, and anything else that might come up. I'll I'll start before we before we get into the the meat of everything let me just get to an email that we received which was sent kind of post Rosenborg but because we do our Rosenborg reaction um, the European reaction immediately after the game Big thanks to Scott for joining Mark for that one. I listened to it, thought you guys dissected the game really well. Um, So we got an email in the early hours of Friday morning from Amsterdam. This is from uh, Claudio Berbeci, a Romanian Hearts fan, who um, first got in touch with us back in 2019 when he was in Brussels at that point. So I always find it very interesting, uh, a Romanian Hearts fan who's who's based, uh, well, previously in Belgium and now in the Netherlands um hi guys this is Cloudy from amsterdam formerly brussels it's been a long time you probably won't believe me but i anticipated the 2-1 scoreline for rosenborg in the first leg i was out drinking with work colleagues so wasn't able to watch the game but checked my phone semi-obsessively throughout i was as surprised as anyone else to see us starting benny the right thing done at the wrong time i like the fact we went with Cochrane before kingsley although I admit that's uh, it's debatable on current form, and was resigned with Forrest making another appearance as the alternative on the day, would have probably been playing Lowry higher up the pitch and Halliday in the middle, or adding another central defender instead, which would have been an unwelcome Robbie Nielsen throwback. So I was weighing all this up while powering through my first beer. Fast forward 45 minutes, and I was wincing to see us concede a second just before the break. I checked the stats, which confirmed my pre-game feeling, two evenly matched sides. No wonder my third beer didn't go down that well. I stopped keeping track of my alcohol intake by the end of the second half. Content, I somehow managed to socialise while checking both Soccer Stand and the network formerly known as Twitter for updates and insights. Maybe the first sunny evening after a rainy, miserable few weeks in Amsterdam helped. This and your pre-game optimism were perhaps the alchemy that led to Shank's strike. Oh, and maybe also the fact our management team, in brackets, a quirky hive mind version, had the guts to throw young denim into the fray. Before that, um, another refreshing departure from the Robbie Nielsen school of gerontocracy. Never thought that word would make it into our podcast. Um, and maybe Mark knows all about. You You, you live in a gerontocracy? Probably. Um, after All in all, <laughs> a, a valiant if slightly misguided effort, just like this email. A brazen and boo- booze field chronicle of a game I didn't actually see but feel as if I watched at least a dozen times in my 15 plus years of following hearts. If you'll allow an off-the-rails comparison at the end, this team in this evening reminded me of an old Travis video when the lead singer finally decides to make a stand and plants his scrawny fresh-faced self before the incoming car of his love interest. He huffs and he puffs, waxes lyrical, and manages to rouse half the neighbourhood to that otherwise quiet-looking residential street. He puts himself out there only to see her calmly drive past out of sight, once all the commotions sim- simmered down, I check. The song is called All I Want to Do is Rock. And to be fair, oh, I can't song. ask for anything more from Hearts this season. Just leave behind your constraints and go for it, Jambos. Keep up the great work. Uh, Laurie, Mark, Ryan and the Maroon Gang. Best Claudio Berbeci. I, I just want to get to this. I know it's kind of a Rosenberg reaction and we've, we've done that. But um, one, I just love that there's a Romanian fan who's out with work colleagues in the Netherlands, obsessed with what the heart's result will be. And, and whose was, English
1: is better than most uh, of ours. And
0: it was so beautifully constructed for someone who is uh, not a native English, not only not right. a native English speaker, but he was out in the beers. And by the time this was sent, it looks like it was about 2 a.m. his time. So yes. wonderful email, Claudio. So I had to send out, even though obviously um, our Rosenberg reaction uh, happened post-game. And um, yeah, some some good points. And I can't, and, and also Gerontocracy. Um, it's a
1: magnificent word. It's probably we've hearts have probably not really had a gerontocracy since the days of uh, Alex McDonald and Sandy Jordan, and it was the old boys and the, the Gary Mackay's and John Robertsons and David Bowman. Uh, it's it's basically um a group of old people kind of that, that are in charge. Um and there's some, I tell you what, there's something to be said by that. Cause us young things are fucking everything up.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. I guess we could get into that. That would probably be a bit... Um, let's not. Ha- no, let's, a bit highbrow. We've, we've gone, we've gone we've a got, bit highbrow We've got
1: We need to, we need to, to, to take was. this yeah. back down again. So Good thank email.
0: you, Claudio. I, um, I, I hope you'll get to see the second leg and not be um, checking soccer stand from a pub in Amsterdam somewhere. And you can still enjoy a few beers and hopefully hearts get through on Thursday. And yeah, keep listening and keep getting in touch with such wonderfully constructed emails. Thank you very much. You're listening to Scarves Are Under Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So from the beautifully entertaining email from Claudio Barbecci to the uh, less beautiful and less entertaining match that took place yeah. on Sunday between Heart of Midlothian and Kilmarnock. Uh, it's funny, I, I listened to you and Scott on your podcast. Uh, um, during the week and I said I messaged you I said, just I've got this locked in before I heard your prediction I said out loud in the car listening 2-1 Tagawa and you you said the same as me mm. it's like yeah I'm feeling that and then I saw the team and um, three changes from Rosenborg, oh, Cochrane, like Beningame, like Forest yeah out in came Kingsling, uh, Kingsling, Kingsley, Haring and Tagawa obviously Kingsley has to come in Cochrane suspended Benny Beningame obviously had to go out obviously wasn't ready clearly from the Rosenberg game and came Haring who did very well in that game and Tagua came in for Forrest exactly what we wanted you know Clark and goals Atkinson Kent rolls Kingsley back four Devlin Haring sitting Oda Shanklin Lowry um the three so Shanklin and the 10 and Tagua up front I saw the team and I'm like yeah I like the look of that Tagua's up there we've got pace again we've got Lowry Shanklin Oda I like all those three um I, I, I was I was really optimistic for this game. I didn't think we would destroy Kilmarnock. I think, you know, like you predicted in the podcast, I felt, I think they're a tough team to break down. They've made some good uh, some good moves in the summer. Derek McInnes is a very astute and organised manager and they beat Rangers last week. I didn't think this would be a walk in the park, but I thought this is going to be, we're going to be able to create chances here. I think they might get in behind us as well because we're we've looked a little bit unsure in the week. But I was really looking forward to the game, I have to say, um, and that didn't last.
1: <laughs> no, where to start? Um, on paper, that that lineup looked as though it was. <laughs> I didn't even bother looking at the comments. Um, I only look at the comments uh, below the the lineup posted on Hearts Twitter if there's something contentious. Uh, usually, if Alan Forrest is in there, and you kind of know what's what's going to happen. I kind of thought, you know what, on paper, that looks that looks all right. But no, 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 no. I mean, we weren't good at Perth for an hour. We weren't good in Oslo for an hour. And we just weren't good in this one at all. So how are we getting to the bottom of this? And how are we finding out what's wrong? Yeah, it's a tough
0: one. And Kelly have this weird thing with Tynecastle. In recent years, they, they just do, they, they, they do so well at Tynecastle, And even though Kelly, you know, with all due respect to them, have, have not been a great team a lot of that time, I think they, they were great under Steve Clark, and they got a result there. But they be, they've been getting results at Tyncastle. They've not been great. You know, last season, worst away record in the Premiership. Um, But they still got a win at Tyncastle in the League Cup. Uh, six wins in six years before this game. And Hearts were just one win in, well, now one win in nine at home to wow. them.
1: Um, what a record that is!
0: It's. Yeah, we just really struggle against them. And, and look, Kelly set up with a, a really solid back three Lewis Mayo, Robbie D, Stuart Finley, a very Derek McInnes sort of back three. Solid defenders, good in the air, really strong, well organised. Um, they had the slightly more defensive Corey and Dab on the left and a bit more forward thinking Dan Armstrong on the right. I really like him. I was impressed yep. when he played against yep. us last season. Brad Lyons was putting himself about in the midfield. And they had Matt Kennedy, which offered him a bit of an outlet, I thought countering he did really well also former Aberdeen and St Johnston player Um, I guess the disappointment here I mean it's not a game where I want to break down every moment we'll talk about a few of the bigger ones but echoes of the side that struggled under Robbie Nielsen when things weren't going well which was you know two thirds of possession but no penetration you know Hearts recorded one shot on target all game and I really struggled to think of what the shot was and I wasn't sure if it was one where Tagawa Barely connected with the ball and it kind of Just bounced into the keeper's hands Um, It really did lack any Intensity and I guess the worry is Mark, what became apparent Last season when we hit a slump Was teams worked out how to play against us Just give them the ball, give them loads Of the ball, it's fine, they'll knock it about They'll knock it side to side but They won't break us down and get in behind And we might sneak a wee chance At the break Mm -hmm. and it just felt all too similar, didn't it?
1: Felt very March or April performance, didn't it? The the away team or the opposition team, if if hearts are away, kind of know what to do. And yes, we are predictable. But we don't have a plan B. So if this was the same under Robbie as it is right now, is that two lots of of poor management, or are we are we missing the obvious here? And that it's it's the players here. But then you look at Tagawan, you look at Lowry, Oda wasn't really a thing back in March or April as far as a starter is is concerned. I think a lot of it's down to bravery. I mean, they came here and for long spells, they were the ones that dictated despite having less of the ball. It's pretty easy to play against hearts because you can give them the ball as long as you've got pace and attack that you can hit them on the counter. And they, you're right, about Kennedy and, and Watkins. Armstrong was excellent. I thought Watson in the middle of the park was outstanding. That's a great prospect, teenager. yeah. Yeah, he did really well when he
0: started against us when they beat us. I remember you said um, that April, in commentary.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was he was excellent as well. And it's it's one of these things, right? You look at their players and you think how many of them would get in that, that hearts lineup or whatever. You can't do it like that because there's a lot of things that go into it. Alex Lowry off the bench at Perth was not the Alex Lowry that played in Rosenberg or that played against Kilmarnock. Now, yes, he's young as well. I get that. Shanklin's a million miles from where he should be right now. And I know he got a goal um, in Perth. I know he got a goal in Oslo. But no, that is not the Shankland that we had at the end of, of last season. Plus, you've got the new boys who haven't yet got up to speed. Look, there's there's two easy options here, Um Basically, ones to, to go in with the tackety boots and say whatever this that disgrace or what? No, no, no. That a small, small sample size is very difficult for a team that um, hasn't had a a, a a good preseason, hasn't had many games in preseason to hit the ground running. I did Atletico yeah. Madrid last night, and they travelled thirty four thousand kilometers. They travelled to Seoul, to Monterrey in Mexico, to San Francisco, where I was lucky enough to commentate on them, and then back to Madrid. And the players looked absolutely shattered. So, but at least they had some game time in their legs. It was fatigue from travel that was the issue for them. Our fatigue is just coming from um, a lack of game time. And we've had lots of preseason friendlies. I think I, I mentioned the seasons that we've started well, we've played a lot of games. And yeah, I mean, when you think you're going to finish third and you don't, and then you've got this screw up as far as pre concerned because you're starting earlier than you'd hoped you were starting or whatever, um, it wasn't a good preparation. The summer wasn't good enough for Hearts, and I, I think it's, I think we're now seeing that um, as far as players signed late, there's no communication. Well, not communication. There's, there's no kind of players getting to know each other and, oh, they've teamed up really well so far and we haven't had that yet. Now, with time comes relationships, comes the opportunity to blend in, to build. That That's all going to come. But by the time that's going to happen, we'll hopefully be in time for Thursday night. But my doubts are that it probably won't be. Um, and I think it'll take us a few more games to get up to where we need to be. And if that's the case and we're out of Europe, and what have we got next after Rosenberg? So we've got Partick Thistle, Thistle, yeah, in the in the League Cup, um, and then a trip to Dundee, and then two home games. So uh, again, I don't think it's a bad thing that the Partick Thistle game is is on Sunday, and it's it's not a league game. Um, I think it'll give us the opportunity to get more game time in the legs. But right now, it's 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 all about Thursday. And I, I was listening to. The, the sports sounds from BBC Scotland, BBC Radio Scotland after the games, and they interviewed all the managers: Derek McInnes, um, Stephen Naismith, Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson was an interesting one because as you much mean as he's meant like, No, they interviewed Stephen Naismith. <laughs> I don't. Know uh, who knows? But uh, they interviewed Lee Johnson, right? And and David Brent was in good form. He really was in, in good form with some <laughs> fantastic quotes on Sunday. But he said we put so much into Thursday. The, we try to change things, but it's really hard to play on a yeah. Sunday after you've played on a Thursday. Playing midweek after a Sunday isn't as bad, because you usually play a Thursday and you've got that extra day. But they were tired, right? and there's no excuse for their game against St Mirren um, in their opening game. But for us, why have we only had 15 good minutes, maybe 25 good minutes at max at Perth, probably last 15 in Oslo... But even the last five against Kilmarnock, these are all reactive passages of play. These are all not getting out the blocks quicker. How many times on this podcast in the past couple of years have we said, right, we need to start quicker than we're starting? But is it to do with players being frightened to make a mistake? Because that possession you mentioned, that's bullshit possession. That's just... 64%. Yeah, Yeah. but what what, what of that is quality possession? Right, yeah, well, one think. shot. I, I,
0: I, don't think you can say we created one clear chance.
1: No, but we, in that game. Didn't.
0: And I mean, Kamaraic. What we should say as well. So, i touch on a few things which are kind of the, the doom and gloom in assessing things. I do want to. I'll, I will go to some of the positives to look at as well, or the, or the kind of looking at it a bit more um, optimistically. But uh, you know, in terms of Kilmarnock you know, they beat Rangers the week before. They had 32% possession in that game, but they deserved that, that win against Rangers they're a hard team to break down so I think you, there are two teams involved here and Kilmarnock although they had the worst away record in the league last season I think they should rectify that to an extent I don't think they're going to suddenly finish third
1: I think they'll push I, for top six I think they'll along, push
0: for top six I Sinner Sinner think Denny McInnes is, uh, we've seen him in our previous jobs he, you know he builds slowly he he trusts players he likes to build a good team spirit a good organisation he'll, and he'll make like, little gains here or there and I think he's recruited wisely, he, he knows what he's doing in, in terms of these sorts of matches so he will have certainly known that the Hearts would have been leggy after the European game, knows how to play against them so you have to give some credit credit to Kamaric because I thought for 75 minutes or so certainly looked like the side that might win it Um, in terms of a few other things we'll get to Shankland, I'll separate that from this because we want to talk about some of the rumours there other things, <laughs> two holding midfielders, do we do we need to keep playing that exact same way? You know, We saw under Robbie sometimes maybe sticking with 3-4-3 three, three too often, keeping Snodgrass in there too often. You're playing a team that happily gets everyone behind the ball out of possession, um, a back five out, out of possession with three midfielders making it difficult in the middle. Do we need to have two sitters in there?
1: No, we don't. No, we don't. And we're not flexible enough so far from what I've seen under Naismith and McAvoy. That this is their formation. It seems to be rigid. Doesn't matter what game, this is our formation. I'm not convinced by Harring and Devlin together. Harring's slow, okay? But Harring has his games. And away from home in Europe is the perfect game for Harring. As long as you surround him with with legs, yeah. you've got his, his enthusiasm, um and his reading of the game, I think, is, is exceptional. But Cammy's a bit like Natty Atkinson, positional awareness is Needs to be much better, and Cam, Cammy's Cammy's a, the whirlwind. He's the the whirling dervish in the middle of the park, and it's it's a hundred mile an hour. And he's not your guy, to be honest. Do you know what? In the first ten minutes, I thought he started well. I thought he started well, and then then that booking in in the forty. Once Cammy's booked, he's a different player because he knows he he can't do what he normally does, and because he doesn't want to get a second yellow card. But I. I'm not. I'm not convinced by Haring and Devlin together. Um, I, I'd be like happy in certain games,
0: ha- but yeah, in a game like that, at home where you know you're
1: going uh, yeah, no, to have, 60 70 percent honestly and... even, even in certain games, I, okay. if everybody's fit, if everybody's fit, I'm not putting them together. I'm not putting them together. I'd I'd have, I'd have Benny because Benny's a better passer. Benny and Haring, or Just, maybe Benny and yet, Devlin. Though, but yeah, no, no, no. But when when everybody's fit, but I mean Denham, I mean, De- Denham's someone who's made an impact when he yeah. came on um, from where he was last year to, to where he is now. You either trust a youngster or you don't. And I think the fact that they've they've brought him on when they have and he's done really well, I think they trust him. So yeah. I know we've seen there's there's photo doing the rounds of Peter Haring in, in a kind of um, a medical boot. Whether or not that's an up-to-date photo, I don't know. Um, but if he's unavailable for... For Thursday, I'd have absolutely no hesitation in, in throwing Young denim in there.
0: Other items to cover now, this uh, it was notable, we noticed it during commentary, and I've seen a lot of chat about it as well, defending set plays. Now, one thing that often frustrates fans, and I, and I include myself in that, Craig Levine loved to do it, Robbie Nielsen liked to do it was bring every single player back when you're defending a corner and um, flood your box with all your players. And then when you get the ball clear, there is no out ball. You're not going to break. You know, the ball's going to come back at you because you're up the field. When the new management team took over on the interim basis at the end of last season, we certainly noticed not just leaving one player up, but often leaving two players up the field, um, giving... It obviously meant that the opposition couldn't put as many players forward because you had to make sure they had enough players back, and it gives you a little bit of an option to at least close them down when the ball gets forward. You might not get onto it yourselves, but you'll stop them potentially supplying the ball right back into your box. Noticeable, especially in this game, that Hearts just reverted to having every single player back, um, mm-hmm. which frustrates me a little. And I know, look at I think you know Alex Lowry, um, Yutaro Oda in the box. Are they? Are they just? you know, Are they going to offer much? They're not big. They're not particularly good in the air. Are they just going to get in the way? I know we've got a more we've got a zonal approach here rather than man for man. Um, and I I know that we ended both we ended up both messaging um, the Hearts club captain, our guest a few weeks ago, Craig Gordon, just about this, just to get his take on it. Um, and he said he he was happy for us to to share some of the things he thought. And he said that the management team have been extra cautious when it comes to defending dead balls, because it was an area that we struggled in last season, he said. So they're they're kind of reeling it in a little bit for now, reining it in a little bit, um, which uh, you can understand, and we haven't conceded a goal from a set play. So the arguments for it, for the, keep doing that, you could see them being there. Um, there was a free kick in the second half, and you were probably watching, and Jimmy and I started getting a bit frustrated that um, Haring did hobble off, and Kilmarnock had a free kick out in the right uh, touchline. And Hearts lined up every single player within seven yards of the byline. Uh, so no one was kind of further up the field than sort of edge of the six yard box. And Kamarnik had McGinnis standing on the edge of the box. And it's like, we kind of both said, well, they're going to try and get it back to him. He's just standing there. Why is no one there? No one's there. What? And then Kamarnik did try and play it back to him. He, he actually didn't connect very well with his with his effort. So it was eventually cleared but it just seemed an odd way to defend things and i again it's one of these things i i got the goalie's take and and he actually said you know in terms of that structure he probably would have preferred to drop a man from the wall but a two man wall and put him on the edge just to avoid that situation but that that's that's one take on it he's obviously like the player out there organizing at the time um but can you understand the Uh, I guess I can understand the frustration from the Hearts fans because I felt it as well, but I I can also understand a bit of the management team's thinking and just being very cautious about one of our weakest areas from last season.
1: That free kick with no one near the put at the edge of the box was kind of a microcosm of of Hearts' day. It's just disjointed.
0: It's one of those where, yeah, I, I maybe made more of it that it needed to be but i just felt like no i don't of, think no
1: i, I think we are perfect.
0: On, f- on a frustrating a day it's kind of like in a day where we of went course. 2-0 um you, you kind of forget about it but on a day where there was just a lot of things that irked everyone it just kind of felt like summed it up that we're we're all standing almost at the byline while Kelly
1: have a free kick um but yeah sorry cut I you get, off there I get, no I, no I, I i get the frustration it was usually when you look back on a game Something happens and then you kind of think, right, it's not going to be our day, or you still feel it might be your day. And I don't I don't know what it was in that game, but I, I think I felt pretty early on in the second half that psh, what what can we do to change things here? So I know that the subs that, that were made. Liam Boyce, um having got just over half an hour when he came on for Alex Larry, he's mm-hmm. surely now gotta be someone that comes into contention to subscribe. Absolutely. We, yeah. we we are a much better team with him. And when 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 you've got the goalie on on the show as we did a few weeks ago, um, effusive in his praise for Liam Boyce, seeing how clever a footballer he was and how he just he, he loved having him in his team. We are a much better side with him. Vargas came on. I was impressed by how hungry he was to track back as well. Um, there's obviously the element of someone that's coming over to a bit of fanfare, still young. Could he be a bit of a show pony? Um, who knows what you're going to get? Could he be um, a Valois? Could he be someone that that's going to be a seven out of ten every week? Or you don't know. So that was our first look, first impression. Yeah, I was I was pretty pleased. 22 minutes on the on the pitch. Tag Tag was going to take a bit of time to to get an understanding with these teammates. Craig Gordon also mentioned on the podcast about the relationship between Boyce and Shankland on the pitch. That comes with time. It comes with reps. And I'm sure Tagawa, um, Oda, hopefully Lowry. Barry Mackay, by the way, is back in full training and um, is likely to be on the bench on Thursday. He's another one that's got a good relationship with Lawrence Shankland. So if Tagawa can can get that relationship, um, unless it becomes Lawrence of Arabia and he fucks off to Riyadh or or wherever, hopefully he stays. I know we'll talk about that. But it's building relationships and, and Oda as well. There was one that was a great crossfield ball And I don't know if he just took his eye off it or whatever, because it looked like a a good first touch, and then Mm -hmm. he was heading in on goal, and it just went out out of play for a throw-in. So it's little things, and we have to be better at things like that. But when Boyce came on, when Vargas came on, when Denham came on, they made a difference. So we want to have that kind of that that type of difference makers. We want to have that. From the start, we want to be able to not have to bring on subs to change things because it's been insipid. It, there's only so much you can call for patience, all right. And it's game two of the season uh, against Komarnik, as far as the league is concerned. Um, game three, as far as total games are concerned. So this is going to be game four against Rosenberg on Thursday. I, I I think you take this game in isolation, and I know we're quickly talking. Or we're talking about Kamar. Um but I think this game takes care of itself. I, I think with a full house... I mean, Hearts fans were Hearts fans were great for the, the start of the game and for a decent chunk of the first half, but it quickly became apparent. This is hard to get behind. And the atmosphere suffered. And, and yeah. Killy, Killy sucked the atmosphere out of Tynecastle. They did a great job of doing that. I think it's different on Thursday because I think even when there's a quiet period uh, on the pitch, I, I think the noise you're going to hear on Thursday, the importance, it's going to be pretty similar... Probably to the, the Zurich game at um at home where there was a there was a lot of noise in that game, wasn't there? And then the, the first game against Istanbul, it just seemed to be a little bit kind of less. It was it was pretty poor. But from what I remember, the Zurich game and the atmosphere seemed to be excellent. We need more of that on Thursday. We didn't get that on Sunday, but that's because Kelly were were good at sucking the the atmosphere out of Castle. Horst Hepburn and McDonald have been
0: making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Still looking at the Artskill Marnock game One incident I just want to touch on. Just before the break Penalty? Uh, Alex Lowry played a ball into the box hmm. Lawrence Shankland um, being grappled by the Kelly Defender yeah. had his arm right around him and I have to say, in real time, I thought that looks like a penalty shout, waiting for VAR to intervene. You know, David Dickinson was a ref, didn't see anything, um, uh, not enough to have a penalty in real time. And if, if, I assume there was a check very quickly. I have to say, I, I, I mean, you look at last season, more of a penalty than the one we got at Tanadice. I think uh, Rob uh, Borthwick made the point at half-time about that. And when I see it again, I've, i again... Looks a decent penalty shout to me, and I I don't know if this is one of these things, I know that referees have, there's been a lot of kind of new instructions given to referees, and you can tell in Scotland, you know, after last season where everything was getting dissected by VAR, there was constant pauses, and there was a lot of VAR decisions given where we felt that's unnecessary, my feeling right now is their guidance to try and, you know, let the game flow more, is leading to maybe things getting pushed too much the other way a little bit,
1: I think the focus is on the wrong things right now, from a from a discipline perspective, because they're all about right. It's only one one of the coaching staff can be up at any any one time, and then it there's there's so much yeah, else, there's so the much shit. baggage. It's it's it's, it's bullshit. Meanwhile, you get uh, Andre Onana wiping out the Wolves player last night, and it's, oh, that it's was a penalty. Mad. It's a penalty a million <laughs> times out of a million. Yet, there's the whole. Oh, can I get involved? Was it a sufficient enough mistake and an error? It's just it's utter bullshit right now. Basically, a foul's a foul. We don't need VAR to decide if something's a foul. And again, that that could easily have been given, especially this kind of season or, or building up to this season where. Holding and grappling is something they, they want to cut out. How many times do you see a referee stop the corner taker in his tracks before he's about to take the corner and blow the yeah. whistle? And Did then it, have award- it They do it in most games. But how many times after the corner is taken do you then see a penalty awarded for something that happened before the corner kick was taken and then continues after the corner is taken? What you'll see is a free kick the other way? Because that's easy to give. Now, there are one or two occasions where a referee is strong enough to actually give a decision like that, but then next week comes along and it's back to the norm. A foul's a foul. And this whole, how high is the bar set for a VAR referee or official to get involved? What is a clear and obvious error? And how, how much of an error does it have to be before a video assistant referee says to the referee, yeah, I think you should have another look at that. That's where we are at. And by the way, it's not just a Scottish problem. It's not just a Scottish problem. No, Hitafi against Barcelona was an absolute joke the way it was officiated at the weekend, as was Manchester United against Wolves. Um, To be honest, the referees... I mean, the referee in the away game, I thought Rosenberg, was poor. Dickinson, again, I mean, he was... He wasn't the story, and my mum messaged me, and she she was saying that oh why, why do all these referees hate hearts and and everything like that and that look you, you get that you see that if 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 you're a supporter of one club and you feel a couple of decisions go your way then that's it no matter if he gets decisions right then it's he's still a bad referee or whatever the referee's not the talking point could it have been a penalty yes if it was awarded is it overturned by VAR no it's not. But we should have been in the box more often. If, if, if that's all we've got to clutch straws at from a nil-nil draw against Camara, like, oh, we might have had a penalty. That's not good enough. We should be talking about far more attacks, far more saves by Dennis the Killy goalkeeper, far more chances for Hearts. The fact is, what, four, three or four days on, you, who commentated on the game, and me, who watched the game on Hearts TV, cannot remember what the Hearts shot on target was, sums up that game.
0: I, I do. I mean, in terms of looking at some of the positive sides, apart from the fact that you know we still have to, you know, although we're we're being re- relatively negative about the game on the whole, we are still taking into account. This is second game of the season. A lot of these players will have to bed in. Maybe we should have done the business earlier. It, it, it is what it is now. We need to give them time, of course, to, to settle, and we're not going to throw our toys out the pram too much. In terms of positives, I think you're right on Boyce Just over half an hour in this game, I thought, considering he's been. out for 12 months, and he only got six minutes against St. Johnson, six minutes against Rosenborg. I thought his 30 minutes were were fairly encouraging. Um Vargas and Denham coming on as well uh, in the 68th minute for for Civic and for Forrest. Um that was sorry, for Tago and Devlin, Vargas and Denham came over. Civic and Forrest came over for Axe and Oda 12 minutes ago. Five subs, man, it's hard to keep up sometimes. But um, I thought Vargas Looked very lively. I like the look of him. You can see why hearts have signed him. Still quite raw, hard to tell exactly how he's going to develop from here, but had a bit of pace. Um, Someone who I think will be a good option up there. Uh, And Aidan Denham getting more time and again, looked very composed. We looked more solid at the back. I think as another positive, we're going to look at it. Although Kilmarnock, I thought, looked the better side for the first 75 minutes or so. We still dealt with them fairly well in terms of the backline, which I thought was good to see.
1: Um, So some little positives in, there. Yeah. in terms of... Sorry, I'd, as much as, as, as Kelly looked lively, Xander had that one brilliant save. Apart from yeah,
0: that... They weren't creating a whole
1: lot either. No, they weren't. No, 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 they weren't. And Kent's been a really good sign. I mean, to, to have Absolutely. someone now that you know got a, more often than not he's going to win a header. But what that's doing, it's giving Rolls more confidence. Because, I mean, before that Rolls was like a cat on a hot tin roof towards the end of last season. Um, and he'd, he'd gone back the way. Hopefully having someone solid alongside him. Uh, Kent wins the headers, Rolls mops up. King, I'll be intrigued to see what happens Laurie, when... Um, when Cochrane comes back from, from suspension and, and what they do, because right now it, it doesn't seem like they, they have much of a plan B. It seems like it's going to be a four, two, three, one. Um, I think having Cochrane available gives us options. I'm intrigued to see what they do. But Kent has made such a difference. Um and I think he's he's making roles better and helping them get back to not quite the form he showed. Um, at the World Cup but certainly better than the form he showed towards the end of last season.
0: We've got some messages Graham said, Kelly was frustrating as it was It was a lot of possession without creating anything passing was far too slow and lack of movement. Four points from two games isn't the worst though and I think we'll improve with more games um, Claudio himself Claudio himself, Berbeche who tweeted saying, players still building match fitness evident against Kelly, still odd we didn't play more games in pre-season um, Grant Youngs is still a work in progress and Jambo Ryan said rubbish for the first 70 minutes for the third game running. so
1: a Co- um, couple of obviously- those, couple of mentions there said work in progress and I, I think that's what it is. yeah we complained that we weren't getting enough signings now we've had what four five six signings um yeah' it'll, it'll take a little bit of time to bed in so <laughs> how patient do we want to be?
0: Two games into the league season, 0-0 between Hearts and Kilmarnock, so Hearts on four points, which, yeah, we can look at positives, we've got four more points than Hibernian, and three more points than Aberdeen still, after if,
1: it'd two be, games. if it If it had been the other way around, if it had been a 0-0 in Perth, and a 2-0 win against Kilmarnock, that probably a lot of people would have thought, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen, although we would have liked to have won in Perth, albeit we did, um, and beaten Kilmarnock at home. Um I mean, it's not. It's not the end of the world. I would have. It's difficult when when you've when you've won your first game away from home, and then you don't win at home. That that can be frustrating. But if it had been the other way around, if it was a goalless draw in Perth and a two 0 win over Kilmarnock, that's probably more likely than than what's actually happened.
0: Okay, let's move on. And before we get to a little preview of the Rosenborg game, just sure to mention one of the. Obviously, we always get rumors, especially in the the evening news and on social media and kickback and the likes. But one of the ones that's gathered a bit of pace over the last week and especially the last couple of days, uh, Lawrence Shankland and links to him, potentially to England and also mentions of Saudi Arabia. And I know, Mark, you've been following this one quite closely and you were aware of some things that were going on in the background before this became sort of mainstream uh, media knowledge. Uh, Now, Watching Lawrence Shankland, I have to say he he doesn't look himself just now. Um, I thought against Kilmarnock, he uh, you know we've already spoken about the fact he doesn't quite look Matt sharp yet, which is you know something that will obviously be addressed every each game he plays. He'll get more and more fit and back to his best in that sense. But he looked a bit frustrated in the Kilmarnock game, and he's
1: looked frustrated in every game he's played.
0: far. and I thought he was just get you know getting involved in things he didn't need to and I, I thought he was quite fortunate he didn't get sent off. I thought his yellow was a bit harsh initially but then he was making challenges after that he didn't need to and that's just going to add to you know we don't and I don't know what's going on with, with Orange Shanklin. if it was just the fact that Hearts were playing poorly in that game. But they just it does add to the um, the rumors doesn't it if he's not looking himself and there's links to um, yeah. other clubs. Well
1: i mean well, if we don't have concrete Evidence about what's happening behind the scenes, then you have to make your mind up based on on the evidence that that you see. Uh, what I would say, and I, I say it quite a lot on this podcast, that uh, if the roles were reversed and it was a a key player in the opposition team, whoever that may be, who was already on a yellow and did what Lawrence Shanklin did, I'd be absolutely livid if he if he wasn't shown a second yellow. So there's no hypocrisy. That should have been a red. He, the, the referee, we got away with one. There. David Dickinson should have gone back after playing the advantage and cautioned Lawrence Shanklin for a second time. Why did he do that? Why did he make the challenge knowing he's on a yellow? What's his headspace at right now? Because he, he doesn't look as focused. I, I can't comment on, on exactly how focused he looks. All I can do is compare and contrast like everybody else, and it's not... It's not the, the same Lawrence Shankland, whether it's body shape, it doesn't appear to be the same Lawrence Shankland as far as, as um kind of the, the the way he's approaching um tackles like that. Yes, he's he still scored the goal at Perth, he's got that vital goal for us um in Oslo, but I don't know if his head's been turned. It certainly looks like it might have been, because if his head's not hundred percent on hearts then that might be a reason why. We don't know what happens behind closed doors. What we do know is the company that represent Lawrence Shanklin did the deal for Jack Henry to go out to El Itifak in Saudi Arabia. Now, I got a, a message last Thursday. Um, 4.53 my time, 9.53 in the UK. I will not tell you who it's from. It's probably someone you wouldn't know anyway. Um, it simply said, any truth in Shanklin for Saudi. That's the first I'd heard of it from anybody. I had a quick look on Kickback and on social media. Certainly no mention there. Um, I put it... Oh, I spoke to Martin Kellner. I uh, do a weekly talk sport at um, 20 past 8 my time. So it's 1.20 in the morning. So Saturday morning, Friday night my time. And that was when I mentioned it. Because Martin always mentions Hearts. Because I always mention Hearts. So he's now basically starting an pre- English Premier League preview with how did Hearts get on? What's what's going on? So I, I, I messaged... Oh, I didn't message him. I said to him that there were suggestions. And that came about as a result of the the 24 hours following the message that I got. So I did some homework. Um, What I got is this. No concrete evidence. There was certainly um, some talk that the agents perhaps might be seeing if there were any opportunities out there, but nothing that I was able to make stand up. But I did get this from an agent and that the Saudis need a core. So several four or five million pound players and they would pay them one and a half to two million pounds a year net. Um, and that was when I spoke to that agent. He said, yeah, there has been some talk linking him with, with a club. But as of where we are right now, there's there's no there's no bid from a club. Whether the agent is trying to see and drum up interest, I don't know. Will Lauren Shanklin be a Hearts player at the close of the transfer window? That is the interesting thing here, because whether it's Lauren Shanklin or whoever it is, the the transfer window in the UK closes on the 1st of September. The transfer window in Saudi Arabia doesn't close until the 20th of September. So for 19 days, Saudis can buy, but the teams in the UK can't stop their players from being, well, they can't get them replaced quite simply because their transfer window's closed. So that would be a difficult one. If a bid was to come in for Shanklin or whoever, any player in any team, after your transfer window's closed, for me, that would make the, the value go up even more. I think you're starting at five. And and look, he's he's worth what someone's willing to pay. And it's you can't just say, well... We'd get five million from being in the group stage, and his goals could get us there, or, or whatever. He his importance to us, the Lauren Shankland of last season. I mean, t- the goals that he scored.
0: This is a yep. difficult
1: one. I, I I don't I I don't know right now as far as concrete interest. I don't think there is concrete interest. Whether or not the agency is trying to drum up that interest and trying to see would there be an interest, but the problem Hearts would have. Is that once this transfer window closes in the UK on the first of September, there's still 19 more days where an approach from Saudi can be made. So, what's the what's the amount that Hearts would even consider in the first place? What do you think?
0: Well, a few people messaged us about this. Uh, Tim Sanders said Shanks is worth five million and a 25% sell on minimum. Sell him and buy a replacement for a million and still have a tidy wee profit. Uh, Grant Young agreed five million. Jambo Ryan said, to say minimum five million for what he brings uh, with his goals, bringing us European football and the two years left on his current deal. Pant Shaton said, whatever his release clause is, or three million plus. Um, and yeah, this I've is Shanklin, There is, a, to, there is a, yeah.
1: release, a release clause, Laurie. I think that's no, so I'm that not might, aware of that, not. that. That might be a myth.
0: Um, Lauren Shanklin, who scores everywhere, including Trondheim, which is 300 miles from Oslo. Um, <laughs>
1: Sorry, it's not going to do with anything. he said he scored in
0: Oslo? He said he scored in Oslo. He scored in. Trondheim.
1: Oh, did I? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. He scored I'm in sorry. Norway.
0: This is this now. Our I Norwegian did. geography need, needs to be spot on in this podcast. People expect it. We've got listeners from no. li- listeners in Amsterdam and all sorts. They expect us to be. European.
1: They do, that. you're you're right. Thank you for picking me up on it.
0: <laughs> that's all right. I'm if sure you'd done you'll... it
1: at the time, it would have been fine. But that's that's that's. Well, I was letting
0: you finish. Being polite. Um. In terms of his, his, his value, it's an interesting one. Uh, it's good, some good points you make there. I think in my head, initially, I'm always like 5 million. Yes. Um, now, talking hypothetically here, though, if you've got a player, um, say he does, and again, we don't know, say your player does want to go. Say he's been turned, his head's been turned, he knows there's X amount more money on the table, he, he wants that move. And they say, look, here you go, you get 3 million, that's all we're bidding. Take it or leave it. And... Your players made it clear. It's so like, I want that move. When you take that offer, I want I want to go. And you can see well, their he, head's gone.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, but he's under contract. I'm not taking him. No, he is. I'm not, I'm, he is. I'm not, I'm not letting him go for any less than five. If, if a bit of five came in and you, you kind of did your homework and you were realizing you're not going to get much more than this, I'd sell him for five million. Oh, no, so would I. For, because not I think for anything less.
0: I agree. I just think it's a it, it's one of those predicaments. And you see it all the time with, with clubs playing this game as well where you end, up, you end up finding somewhere in the middle because, they you know, the player wants to come to them, so they're going to try and lowball you as much as possible. Um, I, I just think sometimes, yeah, these things can be trickier than just saying, here's the value, like you say. Oh, of course, of course. Um, and I think there's some, you know, one of the dangers there as well, you know, 5 million, yeah. If Hearts got that and they could reinvest even a quarter of that, that's a lot of money for Hearts. Very tricky, though, in the markets, the Hearts working. Even if they were, you know, Breaking our transfer record, spending a million, spending more than a million on a player. It's hard to know that you're going to be able to replace his goals, even when you're spending that money. You know, it, it, it's still a huge. We'd still be taking a punt, I think. Unless, is there anyone you can think of in around the leagues who who we could get for that money? Who would? I, I think it's just, it's a very tough one, and it's it's down to like the recruitment team then to really do their homework. And I hope they've already got options if that potential scenario was to happen
1: yeah you, you have the issue i mean west ham had the issue albeit at a much grander scale of people now know you've got 105 million because that's what arsenal have paid for for declan rice so if you sell someone for 5 million people know you've got 5 million so they put the price up i mean that's, that's economics so that's, that's the way it should be whether or not you're willing to pay that price then that that remains um to be seen him spent what did they spend to, to, on the boy with Dylan Venti? Um seven hundred thousand
0: up front, yeah. yeah. The mean,
1: initial, that's a lot of money. initial amount anyway. That that's uh, a lot of money. And you're not guaranteed goals. Um just because you spend a lot of money. I mean we we had a Bosnian bullet, who's I think we paid seven hundred and fifty thousand for. He should eight, have been fired. Although, who knows oh, how eight,
0: much 50, um who who knows how much Vlad eventually paid with the instalments that he, he didn't want oh, to keep. Oh, oh. Well, up it,
1: so, yeah, I mean, it, it, look at Brighton. The, they, I mean, we've, speaking about, we've spoken about Ajax before, or they've been spoken about and um, how their system works. Brighton is, right now, that's the case study. Tony Bloom and, and his team and his secret formula on how he does it. They're linked with a player from Lille, I think it is now, to replace Kaiseido. And if he does the job, then he's probably going to go for three, four times what, what they paid for him. 20000000 million they've been linked with. So, why can't we do something on a, a lesser scale? Now, mm-hmm. I think Davy Weir's still down there, and I think I assume he is, um, because I believe that he would be involved in in any deal, or certainly for um for Ofaya if if he comes in. Um I think Davy Davy Weir and Stevie Naismith obviously know each other very well. So we've we've been down that road before. Uh, but that's a, that's loan deals we we're talking about potentially replacing a shanklin but that's the problem i said what happens if a 5 million bid comes in on the 5th of september and that's that they, they could fuck up a lot of things for a lot of people the saudis and they've they've already kind of made the transfer market slightly disjointed as to yeah some of the players that have gone out there for what they've gone out for but the fact that they've got 19 more days to do what they what they wish and basically can offer whatever they want because um, money seems no object, that could be the biggest problem. Should we have a plan B in place? If, if a bid for Shanklin comes in before the end of this month and we accept it, whatever that bid is, um, I'd like to think there's a plan in place, but is there an obvious someone that, that we should go for? Um, not, not someone that, that leaps off the page.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll move on from this one, but I'll just i end with a message from Burke Landers who just said, um, if Shanklin move to the Saudi League, he'll be financially set for life, so you can't really blame him if his head's been turned. Not at all. If not he not wants at all. to go, then sell him. But Hearts need to be strong to get the best po- price possible. If it is the Saudi League, you could be looking at £5 million, And I think that would be probably the level where it would work for everyone. But this is all hypothetical just now. So we'll see if this develops and, and if not, well hopefully Shanklin will Stay at Hearts and, and st- keep scoring, and we'll move on. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, before we go, let's have a look ahead to Hearts' next match, which comes on Thursday night in the Europa League. Second leg against Rosenborg the most successful club in Norway, albeit sitting in eighth in the table as things stand at the moment. Hearts trailing by two goals to one, a first leg that saw Hearts get a lot of possession, but Rosenborg dangerous on the break and Hearts managed to get that vital goal to make it 2-1 from Lawrence Shankland in the second half. Now looking ahead to this, Mark, um, I have to say uh, I was hoping for a bit of momentum from Sunday, you know, I think... We all kind of felt Rosenborg looked beatable if Hearts could up their game, especially at Tynecastle on the second leg. I was hoping for a win to give everyone a boost, players and fans. We didn't get that against Kilmarnock, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, looking at Rosenborg for last Thursday, Hearts should look at this game as a, an opportunity that they should be taking the game to them and and potentially going through. You know, one goal victory would, would take it to extra time. Two goals for Hearts, to goal victory, and Hearts are through. Um, Obviously, it's not quite as straightforward as that I think the 2-1 scoreline means Rosenberg hopefully can't be quite as defensive as they might have been at 2-0 but we're going to get a similar challenge to Kilmarnock in many ways in terms of we'll get a team that will be happy to sit with men behind the ball, soak up pressure and like they did in Tron time, they'll try and use some pace on the brick
1: Hmm. I'm going to put the shoe on the other foot, if I'm Sven Marlon, the coach of Rosenberg and I've watched the tape of Hearts against Kilmarnock I'm thinking, we can win this. Now, they've got a 2-1 lead to protect. Um, <laughs> I was looking at Hart's home record. We've won twice at Tyne Castle since 2011 against teams we should have beaten, and we did. Infonet and RFS. We lost at home in every other game, including against Birkirk by two goals to one in that horrible night in July 2016 we have to do better against better teams at home. I mean, I'm lucky enough to remember the the wonderful nights back in the 90s, the Slavia Prague result by four goals to two, the Atletico Madrid night when Colquhoun got the the second after Robo had scored just before that. There were some brilliant, brilliant ties. Um, obviously, the Bayern Munich tie, if you want to go that far back as well. Even the Velaes Mostar in that same run um, the Austria Vienna game when we d- we drew nil nil at castle and and they were favourites, but every single game I've mentioned when we've done well involved the crowd were just playing their part. Hearts fans on Thursday night have got to they've got to do what what they do when when the big boys are in town, whether it's Celtic Rangers or or Hebs, because that for us is is our big game, um, the Edinburgh derby. They've got to make that noise. They've got to make the same noise that that they made. Um, for the first couple of minutes before Van de Vaart scored against Hearts for Spurs at Tynecastle. They've got to make that noise that we had when Hearts played Liverpool. They've got to make that noise when Hearts played Zurich. And I think if they can, um, the Zurich game especially, because that first half, up until the sending off of uh, of George Grant, you commentated that night. That was what Tynecastle all about, the atmosphere, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was terrific the start of that game. And yeah, we, need, we do need that again. And and we need a decent start. And Hearts were unlucky. And you know, up until that um, second yellow for George Grant, it's a silly decision from him to to dive in the box on a yellow card. You know, Hearts looked, looked like they should be winning that game. Um, They missed a few big chances. In terms of this game, it's interesting. I was looking... I'm going to give you what I would like to see Hearts start with. I don't necessarily think this is what Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy will go with. But... Mm. Um, I think goalkeeper and back for apart from the fact that Kingsley um, is the only one available domestically, almost picks itself. So we'll go with Clark and goals Atkinson, keeps his spot on the right, Kenton Rolls in the middle. I am gonna go with Cochran over Kingsley. He is available for this and I think we wanna get forward and I think I wanna see more of the the runs forward from the two the two wing backs coming central. Um I think Atkinson does that well I think Cochrane does it better than Kingsley So I think in this game where I'm hoping we'll get most of the possession And we'll be on the front foot I think more of Cochrane um, Will be good Haring I thought did well When he came on so I would start him I'd like to see Callum Neuenhoff Start alongside him if he's um, Ready and fit to uh, f- Partly for the reason we spoke about In terms of I think we'll get a lot of the ball On Rosenberg We'll maybe get men behind it They will try and break I want to see if Callum Neuwenhoff can offer us a little bit more breaking forward. You know, we spoke to Ryan about him. What we've heard is he's box to box. So he's decent on the ball. He does have that bite into a tackle that the likes of Cami Devlin has, but he's also a bit more forward thinking. So we like to carry the ball up the field and try and get us on the attack. And although Kami does that to an extent, uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it it wouldn't be unfair to say you know, Cami's strengths are not so much when he's in possession and his play, you know, his play forward. Um, Oda and Lowry, I think, have done enough for me to be the kind of either side of the, the supporting three. the right, Lowry left. I'm going to put Liam Boyce in the 10-roll behind Kioske Tagawa. Now, I, whatever's going on with Shanklin, I say, we don't know, um, but he doesn't look up to up to sharpness right now. Um, and I know it's maybe crazy, he scored two goals, he scored the goal in Trondheim, and, and I don't think they would take him out the starting 11, the captain just now, but I would quite like to see Liam Boyce behind Tagawa in this one. I thought Boyce looked very sharp, and it might be that he couldn't last the 90, but I want us to start on the front foot, and I want us to to get ahead early, um, not to be then having to chase it and make the changes with 20 minutes to go. So that's what I would go with. I don't necessarily think that's what the management team will pick. We'll
1: have to wait and see. Um, They've kind of hung their hats on... um... Alan Forrest a couple of times. I, I don't think we'll do that. Here, here's a team. Would it be the one I, I go for? It, it would be the one that kind of makes sense. Because I thought the team on Sunday made sense when I when I saw it. It did. Clark and goal. I thought about a, a change of shape and pushing Atkinson forward and having Sibic at the back. I'm going to keep it simple. Right? Atkinson, Kent, Rolls. And I'm going to do Kingsley at um, at left fullback. Neuenhoff and alongside Haring. If Haring can't play, if he's hurt, then then Devlin. Um, I, I do think the, the young lad, Aiden Denham, um, should be considered. My three behind my one. Oda on the right, albeit I still think we need more from him, but I'm going to give him the nod. Boyce is the 10, Cochran on the left. Okay. And I'm going to go... Sh- I'm going to go shankland up top. This is not a game we need to score in the first half. I'd be great if we, we did. Don't. No. This this is a this is a keep it tight, don't let them score. If they score then then it becomes freestyle football. and We're actually all right at that, but I just I want us to be in it at half time and not a goal or two down. Because see what one of my issues here is is their left winger, the Canadian kid up against Atkinson. I don't like that, and I hope this week they've been working on when Atkinson goes forward, if we lose the ball, who's covering and who's getting in there. Neuenhoff's not a 10, but I want to play him as a 6. right? So Oda, Boyce, Cochran behind Shankland. I get totally what you're saying about Shankland, right? but I just think, having spoken about the relationship that he's got with Boyce, they, they play each other so well. They know each other's runs, they can interlink, they can interchange, Shanklin can drop, Boyce can take over as the striker. I'm doing that for the relationship between the two of them, the way that they can combine. But I'm also doing that to leave Tagawa and Lowry to come on when we might need something. Um, we've obviously, we'll have defenders on the bench, so they can go if we find ourselves um, a couple of goals up or a goal up. Then we've got the option of, of... I think we need options on the bench. And I think Tagawa and Lowry would, would do that. I just... I just saw Tagawa on, on Sunday and he, he looked a little bit lost. Yeah. Um and it's I gonna mean, it's gonna take time. So that that's what I would do.
0: I think Vargas is interesting as well. I I, I could easily chuck to him in. I'd I'd like to see him as I'm an option from the bench. No, no I'd like him. to see him you as an been, option on the bench go. because I thought I thought he offered a, a good of um course. a good alternative when he came on against Kelly late on so yeah I mean Joel scared messaged about the game and similar to you he said rates, rates the chances against Rosenberg very good but wary of the threat they pose on the counter and um, Jaden Nelson did have an excellent first half I was glad when he went off in the first leg the Canadian that he mentioned very lively caused some problems beyond just scoring the, the goal and obviously this Svera Nipan the 16 year old too I hope we have someone basically to nullify in the centre and make sure he doesn't kind of grow in confidence like he did in the home game for, um, for Rosenborg. But yeah, I, I'm hoping it's a it's a big and a decent reaction. And I think um, the fans have a part to play. And, and the team as well. I know what you're saying about keeping it tight, but I think in a game like this, I'm not saying we have to go gung-ho and try and get a goal in the first 15-20 minutes, but I would like... That's a team that like, can score. Yeah, I'd like us to start with a good tempo and... Um, and get the fans on site, and get Rosenberg um, turning and having to think about us attacking. Because although we got a goal in the end, I felt like we barely ever really tested to see if that backline is any good or not. Because they've conceded a lot of goals recently. I think we said, what's that now, one clean sheet and 11 for them after they've played us? Yeah, because um, you
1: mentioned uh, you mentioned Crusaders went direct and they struggled with that.
0: Yeah, four, I mean, cause Crusaders got four goals with the two legs against them. Um, and that's again, I've mentioned again, it's a team that finished fifth in Northern Ireland You know, we should be looking at that game and thinking you know, we can get goals against this Rosenberg side, we want to have them worried about us attacking, not making it easy for them, so let's hope we see a better tempo from Hearts on Thursday. let's hope there's a big result, we'll be back on Scarves Around the Funnel to review it uh, with our Make Some Noise segment uh, reacting from the game, so that'll be available on Friday um, just before we go, do we want to chuck a Score and a goal scorer out there, Mark, as we like to. Yes, do.
1: yes. Two one um, hearts. Two one okay. Two one hearts, and it'll go to extra time. Oh Le- God, yeah. Liam Boyce. Okay. You.
0: Hmm. It's a tough one. I'm. I'm very, very unsure, and we know we like to let our, um, let our heart rule our head in these ones. So. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Hearts getting it done in 90 minutes, just so, so yeah. I'm gonna go with two 0 So we'll get that lead, but it'll be a, a tough game because Rosenberg won't aren't won't be entirely sure if they want to come out and try and level things because they're still you know taking the game to extra time. We won't be able to get the second, and then we'll have a flurry at the end, and um and we'll grab that second goal in the kind of closing quarter of the match. To send us through, in terms of a goal scorer, I'm going to go with a triumphant return for Liam Boyce. Whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, um, he's going to get a goal. Remember, he had a big chance. He's talked about it in the press in the build-up to this. He had a big chance against uh, Zurich last season, which he, he he kind of regrets a little bit. Felt he should have buried it. So I think he's going to he's going to grab a goal here. Boyce, is back. There we go. Two 0
1: There's also there's also a chance it could be the biggest European attendance at Tynecastle since Bayern Munich. Mm. There you go. You can have that for your commentary. 26,294 against Bayern. Since then, we've not had any more than 18,000. So if it's a full house, then the likelihood is it will be the biggest Hearts home attendance in Europe, home at Tynecastle. We had more at Murrayfield. But at Tynecastle, it will be the biggest. I hope it's a sellout. Um, But someone that used to say just before kickoff, Scott Wilson, Hearts fans really do have to make some noise on Thursday. This is a big opportunity for Hearts fans to play their part and hopefully get their passports back out for a wee trip to either Thessaloniki or to Split.
0: Indeed. We'll be back to discuss the Hearts Rosenberg game. And anything else, if you want to get in touch, you can email podcast at uk, or you can tweet us at around the funnel. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.